This is the Dallas Morning News. We're elevating how Texas banks. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Welcome to Sports Day Cowboys, a podcast all about the Dallas Cowboys, brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. I'm Michael Gelkin. And I'm Calvin Watkins, with two Cowboys beat writers having a weekly real talk conversation about the latest with the team, including interviews, analysis, and debate. Michael, playoff seating is on the line on Sunday. Sure is. The Cowboys could be the one seed, maybe the two, probably the five. But we break that down. Our focus this episode is less on Sunday's game in Washington and more about the questions surrounding this Cowboys team. Some of those questions already have been answered. Others could be the difference if Dallas is to make a realistic Super Bowl run. Let's do it, Michael. This uh, podcast today should give you, our beloved listeners, a good sense of where this team is today and where it still needs to go. Also, we answer a couple of questions from some of our beloved readers. Sports Day Cowboys starts next. You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. Playoff seedings, three games all going on at once on Sunday afternoon. Cowboys at Commanders, Giants at the Eagles, Cardinals at the 49ers. A lot to dissect on a Sunday afternoon, Michael. And intentionally, the NFL scheduled all three of those games at the same time. Is it 425 Eastern, 325 Central? Is that what it is? I believe so. Yes, sir. And so there will be a lot of scoreboard watching, players and coaches, human nature. They're probably going to take a glance. But certainly for fans, for reporters and all that, you're processing it. Because if the Cowboys win and the Eagles lose to the Giants, that would be an upset. And the 49ers lose to the Cardinals, another upset. Then the Cowboys, they're your number one seed in the NFC. They have a first round bye. They have home field advantage throughout the tournament. I'm going to nitpick with what you said. What's that? I wouldn't think if the Giants beat the Eagles, that's an upset. Because the Eagles are playing pretty pretty poor right now. Las Vegas would beg to differ. I think it's a pretty – I mean, we could look it up if you'd like, but it would would certainly classify as an upset. Yes, yes. Um, But like I said, I'm just nitpicking with you. That's all. Okay, fair enough. You're known to nitpick. It's it's fine. We'll move forward. And if the Cowboys win – and the Eagles lose, but the Niners win, then the, the Cowboys are the number two seed. And if anything else happens, and this is what we expect, Cowboys are your number five seed in the NFC playoffs. Their first round game will be at Tampa Bay Buccaneers against Tom Brady, looking for that first win. So the season could potentially end the way it began, which is a matchup against Brady and the Buccaneers. And there were a lot of questions at the start of this season. And let's go to one of the questions that worried us. At the end of the uh, 2021 season, we had all concerns about the kicker. And, and you know, Michael and I, we tried 
field goal kicking, doing training camp in Oxnard. Cowboys had a, had a field goal competition. They had a young rookie that just was just overmatched. They had a veteran guy in there. But then neither one of those guys got the job, Michael. No, and so going into the season, it was Brett Maher. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, we're on social media. We see the way that fans were wary uh, to say the least, of Brett Maher, uh, someone who had been with the Cowboys for almost two full seasons in 2018 and 19, was cut during that 2019 season because of inconsistency. And, man, talk about a question being answered. 29 of 32 field goals this season. He's made his past 10 straight. But go from a, a concern, a valid concern, a potential weakness, and it has been a strength. So uh, Brett Maher... Uh, has certainly answered that question. Now let's go to another question that faced the Cowboys going into the season. Again, the point here is we're going questions going into the year, seeing how the Cowboys fared, and then we're going to go into questions that remain, new questions based on in-season events that could be the difference in the postseason. C.D. Lamb, is he a number one? And what about these other receivers? We had Dennis Houston make the team. Uh, What's Jalen Tolbert going to bring? Those were questions, and... How would you say, Calvin, the Cowboys have answered that wide receiver position and Lamb in his performance? I would say this this question started really when the team traded Amari Cooper to Cleveland, and that pushed them to say, C.D. Lamb, you're going to be the number one guy. And if you remember in that Tampa Bay game, he was a very frustrated young man because he realized what it takes to be a number one guy. You're going to get the double coverage. You're going to get tight coverage. And if you don't get the ball, you don't get the targets, people are going to say, well, are you really a number one guy? And C.D. Lamb was a first-round pick. He wants a second contract with the Cowboys that pays him a lot of money. And if you want that, you got to step up to the plate. And as the season progressed, we have seen C.D. Lamb not only earn a Pro Bowl berth at over 1,000 yards receiving, but prove to everyone that he is a legitimate number one uh, receiver. Now, is he Devontae Adams? Is he Stephon Diggs? I wouldn't say no. But I will say that he is a legit number one guy. The other issue for the receiving core was they weren't going to have Michael Gallup at the start of the year because he was recovering from the torn ACL. James Washington, his feet were all broken up, so he wasn't ready to go. So we had to rely on some rookies, Dennis Houston and Jalen Tolbert. Tolbert was inactive at the start of the season because he was he was dealing with some health issues in training camp. So Dennis Houston was active week one, but then it's Houston's just a guy. And as the season progressed, we've discovered Jalen Tolbert is just a guy for right now. As far as James Washington is concerned, he's just a guy. And then at some point, the Cowboys were trying to get Odell Beckham and now they got T.Y. Hilton. And so the receiving core, I think is okay. But in the meantime, before we got to T.Y. Hilton, there was a lot of issues with the receiving core. Michael Gallup, he finally returned and he just wasn't right. I think it was one game he didn't have a catch. So, but the main thing was C.D. Lamb, and that he became a reliable target for Dak Prescott. Yeah, I think we've established that C.D. Lamb is a number one. He has in two straight games now. This is an active streak, double-digit receptions. He's the third player in Cowboys history to have double-digit receptions in consecutive games. Miles Austin, Michael Irvin, the other two. So Lamb is that guy. He, he, not to say that he's perfect, 
But, man, he has come a long way and with his separation, his catch point, and ultimately the chemistry that he's developed with Dak Prescott. T.Y. Hilton, we're seeing more and more from him. And the arrow is no doubt pointing up, I think, at this position. But going into playoffs, going into, I suppose, Sunday, we're going to see or we're going to be looking to see more consistency from the other guys. So Noah Brown has done some really good things. He's really understated uh, in terms of uh, he doesn't get a lot of credit publicly for what he does in the run game, but the Cowboys really have him do a lot in that area. Uh, And and you look at some times he really holds his own as a receiver. That Jacksonville game, he was terrific until the ball bounces off (laughs) his hands in overtime and it's responsible for an interception that ends the game because of a pick six. So, uh, you just there needs to be a little bit more consistency. There's a lot of oh, that's nice, but that's nice, but and so I think that is what we're looking for in the weeks to come with this receiving crew. So I would say overall it's been answered, but more to be done on that front. The other issue was the offensive line. Um, me and you were watching a. a a practice in training camp. It was at the Ford Center in, in lovely Frisco, Texas. And it was just a, a little block by left tackle Tyron Smith. I believe it was on Leighton Vanderish, I believe. Yeah, he was running to the second level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was going to the second level, and then Tyron Smith went down. And at that time, we were like, what just happened? Well, he tore his um, a hamstring, and he was done until late December. And I remember when Stephen Jones said, I think Tyron Smith will be back. And I was like, nah, I I just don't believe it. But he did come back. But when they lost Tyron Smith, it put a whole, it just, it was a puzzle that I didn't think they could solve because it meant their first round pick, Tyler Smith, was going to be moved from guard to tackle. And then they, they had to figure out can Connor McGovern play this spot? Then at some point they signed Jason Peters, who's like 62 years old, so he could play the (laughs) offensive line. So, you know, then Tyler Biotis is his undersized center, who I think has played a lot better than what people give him credit for. Terrence Steele's been fantastic this year. Zach Martin is Zach Martin. What more can we say? But the offensive line, we were worried about them as soon as Tyron Smith went down to the end of training camp in at the Ford Center. And I think we have our answer. I mean, you're starting to see, I think, th- th- these big questions that the Cowboys face going into the season. You know, there's a reason why they have 12 wins at this point is that perceived weaknesses turned out to be either a strength or they got through, they got by. And I think with this offensive line, at times it certainly has been a strength. Unfortunately, the loss of Terrence Steele out for the year with a torn ACL, torn MCL, means that this offensive line still has questions. Biotish, he's got an injury that will force him to be off the field, and the Cowboys are optimistic that he can return from the high ankle sprain in the first round of the playoffs, but still – uh, you have a lot of shuffling going on right now in this offensive line. We have Tyron Smith now at right tackle. Uh, on Sunday, we expect that the offensive line is going to include Connor McGovern making his first ever NFL start at center. And so it's all moving pieces, which you expect at some level for this offensive line. But I, you know, ideally, they're not going to be going through all this shuffling at this time of the year. So um, I, I think, again, overall, the Cowboys have answered with the offensive line, with the way Tyler Smith played, uh, the way that others have really picked it up. But it's a bit of an unanswered question, or at least th- this question that was previously answered is somewhat 
coming up anew uh, because of injuries to Terrence Steele, to Tyler Biotish, and all this mixing and matching that's going on presently. Well, before we go to the next one, I, I just want to add that Tyron Smith, once he was healthy enough to play, and when, when our boy Terrence Steele went down with the torn ACL, Tyron Smith said, hey, you know what? I'll play on the right side. I'll be the right tackle. And that showed a, that, that showed a lot about him. And as mm-hmm. great as we talk about Zach Martin, Zach Martin wants nothing to do with playing tackle. Because there were times last year he could have played you know, tackle or in previous years as well in a pinch, and he was reluctant to do it. But Tyron Smith said, I'll play right tackle. And that tells you a lot about him as a person, as a player as well. I wouldn't suggest that Zach Martin isn't being a good teammate by not switching from guard to tackle. I think it's it's different. But No, I don't think so. I, when they needed him to play tackle, he didn't want to do it. He did in 2020. But he didn't want to do it full time. And here's Tyron Smith saying, I got to do what I got to do to help this. Fo- if you want to win a championship, you do what you got to do. That's what Michael Irvin said. Okay. But anyway, I'm not trying to fight you. Digress. I digress. <laughs> At the end of the 2021 season, there was a big debate about whether or not Jerry Jones wanted Mike McCarthy to return as head coach. There was some pause about would he return. And Jerry was so desperate to make sure that Dan Quinn wouldn't leave the building, even though he was doing some job interviews. And it kind of left Mike McCarthy hanging in the wind a little bit. And then Mm -hmm. there was a Sean Payton rumor. It was so bad that McCarthy said he had to talk to Jerry Jones about Sean Payton. And McCarthy's job status was on the line, but I think it's not on the line anymore, Michael. I think regardless of what happens in the postseason, Mike McCarthy will be the coach in 2023 for the Dallas Football Cowboys. That's interesting. I think it would be appropriate if Jerry Jones would say that on record, that no matter what happens in the postseason, Mike McCarthy is our head coach. Jerry would say he's under contract. That's what Jerry would say. Yeah, that's different, though, isn't it? It's not exactly saying that. There's a lot of there's a lot of reason for Mike McCarthy to be the head coach of this football team in 2023, but it sure would just remove any sort of speculation if his boss Jerry Jones would would come out and say that. And so I don't think it's necessarily, you know. I don't think it's fair to expect that maybe of a team owner uh, going into the playoffs, but for all the things that Jerry Jones says, uh, that's not something he has said yet, which is that he's declaratively coming back in 2023, but we shall see. I don't know. We don't have an answer there yet. Do you, do you want him to say that right now? Like after the Washington game, regardless if they win or lose, do you think it's fair for us to ask Jerry, Hey, is McCarthy coming back? I think it's fair to ask. I don't. I would be surprised if he was to answer. Um, I'm not sure he should answer, because again, I think a lot of NFL owners want to wait for the season to be done before they make any sort of statement to the future of their team in, in that position. But I, I, I think it's a fair question, and I'm just pointing out the fact that Jerry Jones, for all the things that he says, he might speak very highly of Mike McCarthy, but he's got to commit to him as the coach in the future. And he took his sweet time to say that again in 2021, as you mentioned. So I I don't know. I just, um, I guess I just want to wait and see on it for agreeing with you that I believe he'll be back. Cause I really have a tough read on what exactly Jerry is thinking at a a given time. Well, considering he didn't have his quarterback for what, five games. 
Yes. And they went, what did it go? Four and one? Four and one. That that's pretty good. You didn't have your quarterback, you went four and one. Hundred you know, percent. They've, yep, they've had all kind of health issues in the secondary. They've lost two starters. You know, um, they haven't been able to stop the run from week one until basically almost a week seventeen. Um, he, he's been juggling the number two receiver for most of the season, from Gallup and Noah Brown. It was supposed to be James Washington, and now it's T. Y. Hilton and the offensive line issues. I think Mike McCarthy, and, I, and I'm kind of surprised you've taken this this. Uh, stance here but i i think i think uh the guy from pittsburgh mike mccarthy is good bro oh i think he's done enough absolutely to keep his job i think it's really impressive how he weathers a storm i think his messaging with the team has been really sound from the theme of resilience to just taking care of players bodies over the course of an entire season the way he has stay day on friday i think players have kind of learned to embrace that as well as coaches on his staff so no i think Easily, the argument can be made that Mike McCarthy should be the head coach. But given the lack of playoff success that the Cowboys have had, which well predates Mike McCarthy's arrival here, I, I and the fact that Jerry handled things the way he did at the start of the 2021 offseason, I guess my point is, and I don't know, I, I think I kind of clumsily entered it, but I just want to avoid, I, I guess the speculation I'm a little tired of. You know, mm. it's, it's just like every year. You know, what's Jerry going to do? And then, oh, what, what's he going to do? I think a, a simple answer uh, sure would be nice. Not that I expect it, but until it comes, I, I just – this whole topic is one that I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just a little tired of. Well, you know, I understand. I, I get you. Wondering what Jerry's going to do a head coach. I feel like that's been – ever since I joined the beat in 2019, it was a question of what Jerry Jones was going to do a head coach. And in every single offseason, that's the question. So anything he could do just to remove that off the table, remove that off the board, that would be fantastic. Uh, hopefully he will say something of, of note after the Washington game. Um, if, if he's asked, you know, about Mike McCarthy's job status, but as a guy who's covered his beat since 2006, and this comes with the dinner that Jerry Jones is going to be asked questions about the head coach. You know why? Because his behind always makes himself available to the media. If John Merritt made himself available to the media in New York with the Giants, he would be asked the same questions. But because Jerry makes himself available, it's we're going to ask these questions. Another question we had, uh, and this is one of the last ones, is about Micah Parsons. You know, he was a defensive rookie of the year last year. And me and Michael had this little debate amongst each other regarding will he get the defensive player of the year in year two. And I said, before you put him in Canton, Let's just see how things go in 2022. And while Micah has got 13 sacks and he's been fantastic, he has not been as good as he was the previous year. He's been good, Pro Bowl good, but I think last year he had more of an impact than he had this year. And please, Michael, don't give me why he does all this stuff that you don't see on the stat sheet. Look, bro, he's getting double teamed. We get it, getting triple teamed. And then sometimes I think he's just tired. I think he's just physically worn down. And it's and I don't think that's a negative thing. You know, you think it's a negative thing. But one of the things you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you thought Micah Parsons would get the defensive player of the year in this year. And that's not happening. I What I said, we can roll back the audio. I said that before lawn and as early as the end of the, by the, by the end of the 2022 season, Mm-hmm. 
Micah Parsons will surpass Aaron Donald in the conversation of who is the best defender in the NFL. For so long, Aaron Donald has been the unanimous answer. He's earned that. But I believed, I said, that Micah Parsons would surpass him. He's that good. He's that unique. He's one of one. That was the way I felt then, and that is the way I, I feel now. Is Micah Parsons going to be the AP Defensive Player of the Year? I don't believe so. Not this year. Nick Bosa, 49ers, I think he's going to get that accolade. You could see Micah Parsons finish runner-up for that award two straight years to start his NFL career. Not bad. I disagree with you that Micah is less of a player in year two than he is year one. I think defense or I think offenses certainly have made him the focal point of their game plan each week. I'm seeing him cut. I'm seeing him chipped. I'm seeing them double teamed. And I'm seeing the Cowboys put him a lot more at defensive line than they did last season. So I'm seeing a lot of wear and tear along the way. He's guys playing with like vanilla cotton candy on his left hand, like a big old, <laughs> like a boxer. He's got it all wrapped up. So there is a lot of that going on that has maybe slowed Micah Parsons production. But even when he's not getting the sacks, you know, I go back every game, Calvin, you do too. We look at the film and he is all over the place still in terms of impacting the play, impacting plays with, with pressure, impacting plays with the attention he's getting, freeing up teammates, creating one-on-one matchups elsewhere. So all that counts to me. So I don't think he's less of a player this year than last at all. I, I think that would be, that would make any sense that he wouldn't have gotten better. He's he's better football player today, even if the production isn't necessarily you know skyrocketed here down the stretch of the season. I think he's a fantastic player. I just said I don't think he's made as big of an impact this year as he did last year. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Well, those are our questions going into the season. Questions remain. No guests this week, Calvin. We're not going to ask anyone else any questions about this team. We're going to look at the questions, and we're going to try our best to lay them out going into the postseason. Sports Day Cowboys continues. You have a three-year plan and a 30-year plan. At Texas Capital Bank, we've transformed our bank to offer solutions that will grow with you. From enhanced treasury management and corporate banking to personal banking and wealth management, we're dedicated to delivering the full-service support you need to secure the growth and success of your business. All from a full-service financial firm founded and headquartered in Dallas, Texas. Texas Capital Bank. Member FDIC. TexasCapitalBank.com. With Michael Gelkin, I'm Calvin Watkins on Sports Day Cowboys. This is our weekly analysis of America's team. And, Michael, the questions that the Cowboys need to answer, not only going into this Washington game, but going into the postseason. What are some of the issues we got we to gotta talk about? I think the rushing offense is something that the Cowboys have wanted to be the bread and butter of their identity, of their offense, with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, ground and pound, physical offensive line, combination blocks, just really, even if the whole stadium knows we're going to run it, we're going to run it anyway. This has been the identity. Complementary football, we can take that kind of rushing offense with a defense that they have had grand visions for being a Super Bowl caliber defense. Now, I don't know. Ever since the Terrence Steele injury, and we know how good Terrence Steele is in the run game, it just hasn't quite been at that level. The combination blocks, not quite as sound. Oh, the productivity, I mean, give some credit. 
to the Tennessee Titans last week. They really just, aside from a 23-yard run by Malik Davis, it was nothing on the ground. And uh, you know, Zeke Elliott was really struggling uh, to get anything going. Very little room with which to work. The tight ends really struggled for the Cowboys. He's starting to worry about these younger tight ends here as in terms of Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot as the season wears on. And the second level blocking uh, wasn't at all where it needed to be. So not what you want down the stretch. Ideally, this is the time of the year where we could say comfortably that, oh, yeah, the Cowboys got the run game going. They don't. And the questions on the offensive line post Terrence Steele injury, I think it's a real, real question mark. And you're seeing a passing offense that suddenly has to kind of carry the load and you're leaning on a receiving core that's a bit inconsistent, out, certainly outside of CeeDee Lamb, I think that's a big question mark going into the playoffs, Calvin. I agree, definitely. Um, and that Titans game, they really beat up <laughs> Zeke Elliott to the point where you know Mike McCarthy was asked, uh, I guess three or four days after that game, is, is Zeke okay? Is he healthy? You know, Because he got beat up pretty good. The Cowboys' run defense is, is another issue here. Jonathan Hankins, who they acquired in a trade from the Raiders, I think he had a little bit of an impact before he went out with an injury. But the guys that they have left, Quentin Bohanna, Carlos Watkins, Neville Gallimore, they've all struggled to stop the run. Lane Vanderish, they've lost him for the last uh, couple of weeks of a shoulder stinger. Um, they are not disciplined in their rush lanes. and They're not holding, setting the edge when guys run off the edge. They have been a struggling unit from the Tampa game in week one to where we are now. Um, and I don't know if you, you can't really solve it, really, because in the draft is where you're going to have to solve it because you're going to have to get you a big boy to put up in the middle of that, you know, that front. Um, Anthony Barr struggled against the run. They all have. Vanderus, everyone, Micah, they all have struggled against the run. And when you talk about the postseason, Someone's going to run up on them. And if they can't stop that run, that might be where you get this defense, and that might cost you a couple of football games. Well, one, it pains me to hear you not give Carlos Watkins a little bit more love, Calvin Watkins. I, I feel like you guys have a <laughs> strong connection, and it, it, it just, it just I, I actually like a lot of what Carlos Watkins has done. And if you're the Cowboys, you hope that Leighton Van Resch's return in the first week of the playoffs, plus they expect – Jonathan Hankins to return from that pectoral injury. The combination of, of those two guys, I mean, that's that's no small thing. I mean, if you were to take your top run defending nose tackle and your signal caller linebacker who helps guys get lined up and communicate and is your, maybe one of your best, if not your very best tacklers uh, in the front seven, you take all those away from just about any defense, you're, you're going to struggle. But I, 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 I'm with you. This is a, a valid, valid question, Marcus. You know, can the Cowboys – pick it up. Uh, so we'll see uh, certainly over the course of the, the postseason, however many games that may be, but uh, the run defense with, with those guys coming back, uh, what kind of difference can they make? The other issue is cornerback. The best cornerback on this team is, is Trayvon Diggs. Rookie Deron Bland leads the team in interceptions, but they've lost Anthony Brown and they've lost Jordan Lewis to season any injuries. And they've been trying to mix and match uh, the other number two corner, I think Dan Quinn is just trying to has been trying to figure out for the last three or four weeks to get them ready for the postseason. 
And to me, that is and, – and teams are not afraid to throw out Trayvon Diggs. We've seen that. Philly – remember Philly busted him up pretty good in, in that first quarter. So the, the secondary is definitely an issue. Um, I'm not really concerned so much about the safety play. M- maybe you are. I'm not. But it, to no, me, yeah. it's the corners. The corners are the, are the question for me. Yeah, and Mackenzie Alexander, a nickel cornerback who the Cowboys brought in midseason – after the struggles by Kelvin Joseph, outside cornerback, the Cowboys' plan was to bump Deron Bland from nickel to outside corner and then give Mackenzie Alexander a real chance to take that nickel job and run. But then last week, leading up to the Titans game, he suffered an injury in practice and because of that was not elevated, You know, never saw the field. And now there's questions about Alexander and where he is physically. So those... Again, just uh, you know, you look at all the injuries at corner. Uh, it's 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 been unbelievable. It's it's been you know, yes, offensive line has had um, some major major injuries, but having gotten Tyron Tyron Smith back, you know, you're not getting Anthony Brown back, you're not getting Jordan Lewis back, and you're really relying on on youth that just you know, Kelvin Joseph was not was not ready clearly. Uh, so you're we're having to really count on some guys, some of whom weren't even at training camp uh, in terms of Alexander. Uh, we'll see how it all goes, but promising sign here in the early going is Nashawn Wright, a second-year cornerback who's been waiting for his time. He had his first career NFL interception against the Titans. He's got the length, which he showed on the pick, but again, it's too early to say exactly what Wright can bring at this level. He's got to stack together those performances, and ideally, this just isn't the ideal time to figure out your run game, to figure out your run defense, to figure out your cornerback play. These are pretty important areas of a football team, Calvin. So uh, we will see how they can all put it together. And by the way, maybe the one thing that's more important than all of what we're talking about is ball security. And that continues to plague the Cowboys. And it's not just a Dak Prescott problem. Uh, It's the receivers, a lot of things going on. We've seen at times the offensive line has contributed to it. That is uh, another focal point for this team Moving forward is just protecting the football better because they feel comfortable about their defense's ability to get takeaways, but offensively, can you protect the football? And when your quarterback is tied for the league league interceptions while only playing 11 games, uh, that that is a, that is a problem. Now, in all interceptions are not created equal, but as Dak, someone asked Dak the other day after a game, you think he's snake bit a little bit? <laughs> you know, and, and, and he probably is. And, and, Michael, I think me and you will agree, some of these interceptions on the receivers or whatever, but they go on one guy's ledger, the quarterback, and he's got to protect the ball a, a whole lot more, especially in the postseason, because regardless of whose fault it is, it could cost you a game. And if it costs you a game in January, you're sitting at home watching TV on your flat screen. That's, that's the bottom line of this, ball security. But, Michael, when we return, we're going to hear from the people. Hey listeners, this is Damon Marks. I'm the Cowboys editor for the Dallas Morning News. That includes the Sports Day Cowboys podcast that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is the nonstop news cycle that is the Dallas Cowboys. But beyond that daily adrenaline rush, being able to reveal the human side of the players you watch on TV is a privilege. Calvin and Michael talk to these players each week to bring you the -the behind-the-scenes stories that you can't get anywhere else. If you want to support this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member 
You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com slash listen. All right, Michael, we got a reader question. Um, we have two good questions, as a matter of fact, but the first one comes from the great Charles Rexford. And Charles asks, now that we have seen what T.Y. Hilton brings to the receiving corps, what are the chances of seeing Turpin in the mix? Speed is proof of domination. What do you think, Michael? What are the chances that we see Cavante Turpin a lot on offense? Mm-hmm. Low to no, not at all. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like the Cowboys feel that Cavante Turpin is ready. Despite all the questions that they've had at wide receiver, despite the personnel losses that they have suffered at that position, you know, waiting for guys to come back. James Washington, you know, hasn't really caught on. Uh, Michael Gallup missed in the start of the season. You've got a lot of certain situations, moving pieces, and through all of that, the Cowboys coaching staff has felt that Cavante Turpin was not ready for a major offensive role. Keeping in mind, this is a guy who maybe he plays bigger than his size, but he's still what five foot seven, hundred and fifty-one pounds, something along those lines. He's still someone who's had a, you know joined the team in training camp as an undrafted rookie, you know, a few years removed from when he was draft eligible. Played a lot of football on another professional league and just, you know, it's it just let's be realistic for what year one for Cavante Turpin looks like. You're going to continue to see him more in a gadget type of role. Maybe they could do a little bit more with him, perhaps in the red zone. I'm not saying you can't use Turpin at all, but it's very clear what the Cowboys coaches, uh, where they feel about it. And believe me. If they felt he could help him at wide receiver, they know that they've needed the help, hence why they brought in Hilton, hence why they kicked the tires on Eldo Beckham Jr. They looked first in their own building. Turpin is not part of that equation. What was the bet we had that I lost on Cavante Turpin? What was that bet? You remember? Yeah, you said you would uh, buy me a pizza, a piece of dinner. No, it was like a slice of pizza. Slice of pizza. Yeah, for if uh, you said Turpin would not get a single reception the entire season, which pretty much – you know, to the football gods was all they needed to hear because the very next week, Turpin got his first career NFL reception. Congratulations to Turp. Our other question from Michael Dukes. Good name. I have been a Cowboys fan since 1965, Michael Dukes says, but I do not understand why some of our fans do not like Dak. As far as I am concerned, he is a great QB. Calvin, what make you of this? Uh, you know, I think Dak is a, is a great QB, and I know a lot of people who don't like Dak. They'll say he's not accurate. They'll say he's not elite. So then I go, give me a list of the top ten quarterbacks in the league that are elite, and you know they all start with Mahomes and Allen and 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 uh, Brady and, and Rodgers, and and then we get to about six guys, seven guys, and then I go, what about Dak Prescott? And they, and they get quiet. What about Lamar Jackson? They get quiet. Some will say, yeah, Lamar is an elite guy. And I'll say, I'll take Dak over Lamar. You know, and I say, if you put Dak Prescott on the open market today, Cowboys say, we're done with you. We're going to cut you. You're, you're, go shopping. Teams to shop for our guy. He will be signed within less than three hours of being on the open market. That's how valuable he is to the Cowboys. That's how respected he is across the league. Is he Aaron Rodgers? But it's only one Aaron Rodgers. Is he Pat Mahomes? There's only one Pat Mahomes, you know. But if the L.A. Rams said, 
if we got rid of Matthew Stafford for the 2023 season and picked up Dak Prescott, would we do that? I guarantee you they would say that. Yes, the 14 interceptions, which are a career high for, for Dak, that does concern me. But all the interceptions are not his fault. Some people would say, well, he should have held on to the ball. He should have ran. Well, you know what? Noah Brown catches the ball. Don't, you know, Peyton Hendershot catches the football. So, you know, and when I mentioned those two players, those are guys who had the ball in their hands. They couldn't hold on to it, and, and the defender caught it. In Jacksonville, Noah Brown couldn't hold on to a pass that was that's supposed to be catchable for him. He lost it, pick six, Cowboys lose. It happens. It's football. But Dak Prescott, to me, is, a, is an outstanding quarterback. I think some of this goes back to the when he's looking for that new contract and people were saying, don't franchise him. He doesn't deserve the big money. Find somebody else. I think there's a lot of hating going on on Dak Prescott because, to me, he's one of the top 10, 15 quarterbacks in the game. Not, I'm not saying he's 14, 15. He might be at number 10 or 11 or maybe even number 9. He's been – he and in, in this stretch that he's been on, outside of the interception since he's come back with a fractured thumb, he's been one of the top quarterbacks in the league. I agree with everything that you said. Let me ask you, Calvin, and I think this is kind of part of where, if I'm trying to understand why fans don't get fully on board with Dak, and frankly, when I was covering the Chargers, I saw this with Phillip Rivers too. I think some of it is just like when you're when you're a fan of a team, you see the mistakes, and those mistakes seem so glaring that you forget what quarterback play looks like elsewhere in the NFL. So I think it's part of it. But my question to you, Calvin, and you can just answer it real quickly because I'm going with somewhere with it. Uh-huh. Is Dak Prescott on a Pro Football Hall of Fame trajectory? Is his career on that sort of path? Woo, that's a, that's a pretty interesting question. Uh, wow, <laughs> that's that's a I, I I don't know how to answer that, Michael, because I've never thought of Dak in the Hall of Fame conversation. To me, winning a Super Bowl helps when you're a quarterback. Putting up tremendous numbers every week also helps and Dak doesn't do that. Um yeah, I think I think the answer is no. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so I think when he you have a guy who's not a perennial first team all pro like some of those names that you mentioned, mm-hmm. I think there's a human nature component as a fan where you say to yourself, why don't we get one of those guys? Why don't we get one of those guys? But what the Cowboys have in Dak Prescott is a guy who, aside from those interceptions, you could argue has played during stretches the best football of his career to date. He is ascending still, despite one category of his statistics. We could look at a whole bunch of other statistics in terms of completions over expected and like you know the way he's pushing the ball downfield. Like there, there are some like analytics there that tells you that you know Dak Prescott is playing. Extremely, extremely high level. Their game, he had, he was like perfect. Not one single incompletion against zone coverage. And so you could go and point to interceptions, but there's a lot more there in terms of Dak Prescott as a quarterback. And that's not even mentioned Dak Prescott as, as a leader, which which counts. If anyone who fans might say, you know, we hear so much about leadership, blah blah blah, it doesn't really matter. It does. And those who have played this sport and who play it in that locker room will tell you that it counts. So yeah, Dak Prescott. Cowboys have a lot of problems if, if they don't win the uh, pl- single playoff game. If it's uh, just a round we go with, you know, another one and done. If they don't make it to the Super Bowl and fall short of their goal there, it won't be because they have 
given Dak Prescott a contract and he's not the guy here. That is not the problem. Dak is not the problem. But maybe that's my best explanation as to why some believe he is. There, I think, Calvin, is a good place to leave it. One more thing to say. Go right ahead. No, well, I was going to ask you, because you covered him for a couple of years, Philip Rivers. You know, I I like Philip Rivers. I think he's very undervalued. And to me, he's got Hall of Fame credentials. Now, even though he never took the team to the big one, and, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, you know, he he was a pretty damn good quarterback for for a lot of years out there uh, in in San Diego. Yeah, I would think Philip has done enough, maybe not to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but to be somewhat in that Dan Marino category of a top quarterback, a great quarterback who didn't get the Super Bowl, but everything else on his profile says to you, he's a Hall of Famer. The guy played an AFC championship game on a torn ACL. I mean, the toughness, the intelligence, the accuracy, despite the funky throwing motion, all of that. Uh, yeah, and, and, and a hell of a leader. So, yeah, I would, if I had a vote, I, I would feel comfortable saying that Philip Rivers blondes and can't. I think the man also has 11 kids. So, yeah, I would definitely put him in the Hall of Fame just for that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the time we have for Sports Day Cowboys this week. Thanks so much for listening. The show is produced by Damon Marks, and you can stay up to date on every episode by following Sports Day Cowboys wherever you get your audio, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. And you also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. We also want to hear more from you. So email us your questions like you did this week, comments and voice memos at dmncowboys at dallasnews.com. You can also ping us directly on Twitter at dmn underscore cowboys and on Facebook at Cowboys Fan Central. For the news, I'm Calvin Watkins. And I'm Michael Gelkin. We'll see you in the playoffs.